amazing country has 11 official languages it has table mountain and has hosted three amazing world cups everyone knows that but did you also know that south africa has a diverse range of plots musaka on 702 um, and this week, we are putting the spotlight on diabetes uh, because um, it, it really makes headlines. And yet it is one of the world's, uh, uh, it, it will be rather, this is according to the World Health Organization, it will be the world's seventh largest killer by 2030 unless intense and focused efforts are made by governments, um, communities and individuals. Um, these are the pronouncements that were made by the, health, the, the World Health Organization ahead of uh, World Health Day, which is on April 7th. So joining us on the line to give uh, uh, advice and to talk further about this uh, this illness is Vanessa Asensiao, and uh, she is a nutritional consultant. And we also have Dr. Dominique Stott, who is um, medical standards, who is an executive of medical standards and services at PPS Insurance. Vanessa, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And uh, Dr. Stott, a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, So do you agree with the World Health Organization? Of course, what they say, the research that they do um, is watched by health authorities all over the world. And they feel that um, that by 2030, we we, we, we will see an increase in deaths and, uh, of course, uh, people living with diabetes and its cost to the health system if we do, do not intensify our efforts. Definitely. We see in the life insurance industry where I work that diabetes is definitely on the increase and that is because our lifestyle is not um, lending itself to people controlling themselves. People are eating too much, they're drinking too much, they're smoking, they're not exercising and when they are leading a lifestyle like that, they're becoming overweight and that in itself lends itself to developing type 2 diabetes and leading to all the health problems that we are seeing in the life insurance industry. Mm. I want to get to the implications on the individual and their family from that perspective in a short while, Dr. Stott. But first, let's talk about nutrition um, and the types that there are. There's type 1 and type type, do, type 2 diabetes, Vanessa. Um, and the, 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 the uh, approximately 90% of all cases of diabetes worldwide are, are type 2, which comes down to our, our, our choices and what we eat. Absolutely. We, you know, um, I often say that we're totally responsible for our health. So no longer do we live in a time where we can say, oh, this is because of my genetics. So often people with diabetes will say my dad or my grandfather or my mom has diabetes, therefore I'm predisposed, which there is some truth to it. But it's literally, you know, if you're eating the same as what your parents uh, did or you have the similar lifestyle, you are definitely more predisposed to certain things. Diabetes is one of them. And diabetes has become a complete epidemic worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, as mentioned, you know, we, we over consuming certain foods. We definitely in an era of, um, you know, the era of Starbucks has been surpassed by an era of prescription stimulants to keep people awake, awake and functioning, which is part of the problem. We overly stressed, we're producing so much cortisol. Um, you know, if you go to a psychiatrist and you feel, and you tell them you can't cope with your life or, you know, coffee is not enough to keep you awake, they, they're likely to give you stimulants. And it's quite interesting because we think it's normal to be 
overstimulated to, to at the point where we are these days. You know, the amount of information we have, the lack of sleep, the fact that we do emails before we go to bed, we look at, um, you know, our phones, our iPads, we're actually not switching off. And I think this is detrimental to one's health, especially when it comes to the very fine orchestra of hormones that are at play when mm-hmm. it comes to things like diabetes, mood disorders. You know, all your lifestyle diseases are all linked to inflammation and more specifically how you live your lifestyle wow i think i'm frightened by the the idea that you've just painted there the question the the the, the picture that you've just painted when you talked about you know the the fact that we were into fast foods that helped to bring us to where we are but we're also compounding this problem through all the the various uh, um stimuli um that we take into our bodies and the lives that we lead that is worrying because even it, initially we used to associate it with what we eat and obesity and inactivity. Uh, but mm. there are now other causes that, that, that uh, you're, you're, you're identifying. Absolutely. You know, just if you look at um, the latest Harvard study that came out uh, where they did a research over 10 years over uh, with women, 133,000 women, they found that people that aren't sleeping enough have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes by 45%. So, you know, if you find even within yourself and the, and the listeners, when you don't sleep, you often get hungrier, you lack motivation, you lack energy to exercise, you tend to eat unhealthier food, um, there's less physical activity, you've got a compromised immune system, and then you keep on going for stimulants. So you think, coffee, sugar will help me deal with, you know, the lack of energy, um, which then puts you on a vicious cycle. And then on the other side, people that use um, certain stimulants and food to chill out or to switch off also lead quite an interesting um, pattern of destruction because for example if you're highly stressed and you drink alcohol Mm -hmm. and you think that you're going to be unwinding and switching off whereas actually there's tiny little bits of micro arousals that are happening um, when you do sleep and you drink alcohol so even though you feel relaxed it's actually a stimulant so we land up on this quite interesting cycle of you know, not actually taking care of ourselves, but very dependent on food, alcohol, stimulants, and all kinds of things to actually cope with our lives. Well, thank you for that, Vanessa. As we are taking your calls this afternoon on 011-883-0702, Vanessa Asensio is a nutritional consultant. And we also have Dr. Dominique Stott, who's an executive at Medical Standards and Services at uh, PPS Insurance. Uh, Dr. Stott, from your perspective, as you said, that you are greatly concerned as uh, an industry, what is the cost to the individual? Because we always hear the emphasis on the cost to um, the health system, the strain that uh, lifestyle diseases place on the health system. But there's also a cost to families, to our pockets, mm. um, and to the individual in other ways. Well, the cost to the individual at the end of the day is that they, will, they may well lead a longer life, but it won't be a healthier life. Um, we, we've seen that. Um, longevity may not be affected, but certainly they will be leading a less healthy life. Mm-hmm. Um, people who develop diseases like diabetes, as we're talking about this afternoon, will get the, the diseases associated with it. So they will get the gangrene, they will go blind, they'll get the heart attacks, they'll get the strokes, and uh, these diseases won't necessarily kill them. Mm-hmm. And this is the cost to the individual. That's just talking about the health cost, of course. But if you're going to talk about financial cost, um, that's a whole different kettle of fish altogether. 
Mm. Um, people will obviously have to pay directly because they will have to pay for their medication and they will have to pay for their disability because they may not be able to work. Um, and then there's the indirect cost because um, society will have to pay. Uh, somebody's got to pay for the health care that will be necessary to provide these people with some form of health care, like the government, you know, will have mm -hmm. to provide health care for these people. Um, and medical aid costs will go up. So at the end of the day, the cost to society in general is enormous. Mm. And all it will take, actually, is for the government, starting with a very good place, is the sugar tax. So you're all in, you're in support of it next year. What is it, 2017 is when it's due to come in place? You know, I think it's a very good place to start mm -hmm. because it's just raising the awareness that sugar in cool drinks, especially for children, is not necessarily a good thing. Um, up to this point, nobody's raised the awareness. It's been raised overseas, but bringing it in in South Africa, I think, has raised the awareness that this is a potential problem here mm -hmm. because we have a whole generation of overweight adults who are raising the next generation of even more overweight children. And children are the bigger consumers of cool drinks than even the adults are. So by making these cool drinks more expensive for the children, it's putting them out of the reach of children. So I'm hoping that either they'll bring down the amount of sugar in the cool drinks, which is first prize, or children won't buy those cool drinks mm -hmm. and they will drink water instead. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, you know, how difficult is it to get water out of a tap? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, in certain communities, it can be incredibly difficult, but let's take a break for now and we're taking your calls, your comments. Are you living with diabetes uh, and how are you finding the management of uh, uh, diabetes? Uh, do share your experiences with us. You can pose your questions. You can comment as well. And uh, just listening there to, to Dr. Stott made me think about how often people feel the shame and uh, because they have to change their lifestyles. They have to now manage the condition on an ongoing basis. And I recall uh, specifically uh, one of my friend's fathers who um, uh, um, didn't want to manage it because he didn't want to always explain to friends whenever people were gathered that he always had to stick to a particular program. And that shame led him to uh, neglecting himself and eating any which way. So it can also be societal. There can also be that stigma and that pressure and a lack of awareness, a lack of education around this condition that brings people to, to a point where um, they try and, and, and hide it and fail to manage it successfully. So your calls on 011-883-0702-31702 for your SMSs this afternoon as we discuss diabetes, which is going to be a huge focus ahead of World Health Day on the 7th of April. Azania Musaka on 702. Call Azania on 011-883-0702. And we're taking your call, so straight to the lines as we have limited time. Good afternoon, Beverly. Hello. Beverly? Yeah. Yes, hi. Good afternoon. Your comment? Good afternoon, Azania and doctors. A friend of mine was having serious health um, problem. She was on glucophage, she's got scoliosis, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. And just by changing her eating lifestyle, within six 
months. She's reversed her high cholesterol, she's reversed her uh, uh, insulin-dependent, agglomerate-dependent uh, uh, sugar diabetes. Her scoliosis has improved by 61, uh, 59%. It takes, so it just depends on what you, what you eat, eat is yeah. what you are. Absolutely. Beverly, great point, um, and thank you for that. We'll get uh, Vanessa's comment, because as far as I know, uh, I think diabetes uh, 2 um, can be progressive. So we'll get her comment in a bit. Let's go to Sharon in Bedford View. Hi, Sharon. Hi, good day. I just wanted to mention there's another victim. You know, you have somebody who's got um, diabetes, but uh, like husband, and you know, us as a family, we are victims as well of the diabetes mm-hmm. because we can't have any of those nice things in our cupboards or in our fridges because then the diabetic would be tempted to have it. You know, we have to live with the bad tempers and the moods and, you know, because the diabetic has terrible mood swings, you know, depending on their sugar. We have to live with that and, you know, always be accommodating. We go out for dinner. We would maybe want a pudding after our our meal. We can't have it because dad would want it as well. Mm. So there's that other victim in the whole diabetic circle, you know, that people don't even think about. Sharon, thank you so much for that comment, and it really does remind me of my friend's dad, because everybody then had to uh, um, also live in a particular way in order to support the individual, which is necessary, it's important, um, but they also have to stick and be, stick to the diet and be disciplined. Uh, Vuyo, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I just want to know, because I I have a 16-year-old who was diagnosed with diabetes in May last year, Mm -hmm. And type 1. Okay. If there's anything I could have done to have avoided it, seeing that it's not a lifestyle. Okay. Thank you for that. Mm. Yes, type 1 isn't. Thank you for the question for you. Um, and Lawrence, your thoughts on food? Um, hi. I'm a doctor and I work a lot in industry. And I believe that a lot of the problems, especially with type 2 diabetes, start with the fact that we get up very early, the masses, our masses of people are mostly people that get up very early, and our easy carbohydrates are mm-hmm. our sub, uh, are our basic essentials. What's happening in a lot of industry is that they've got canteens and so on. And we, I'm involved with one, and I won't name it, that has actually created a whole different outlook on the, on the food that's served and sold for eight rand a dinner and lunch mm, and breakfast. And it's all carbs, yeah. And what is amazing is that I never knew this until this, uh, until recent, well, fairly recently. May's meal or pup, milli pup, is, a, is, is, our, is our staple food. Yep. And if you eat it on the day that it's cooked, just, just after you've eaten it, it's something called high glycemic index. In other words, it becomes a bit like glucose, okay, okay. which is bad for diabetes. All it- right. Uh, Lawrence, thank you for driving that point. I just want to get a response for Vuyo before we wrap up. Um, Vanessa, Vuyo said, wanted to know if type 1 could have been avoided. She's got a 16-year-old who has it. So type 1 is very much an autoimmune response and um, it can be managed. You can't, uh, you know, you can't ever tell if someone is going to develop type 1. So it is an autoimmune um, mm. disease. So nothing so, could have but- been done. 
yes, but you can manage it. That's the whole thing um, that people need to realize is that any chronic illness can be managed. It's not a death sentence, and it's actually just about investing the time and energy into it, yeah. um, now, which is often you know, the most challenging part. All right. Vanessa, do you have a website where listeners can get a hold of you? Yes. So my website is www.vdanutrition.com. So Vanessa Diacentia, vdanutrition.com. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Dr. Stott, thank you so much for your time. And if we want more info, where do we turn to for uh, PPS Insurance? Um, that would be my email address, which is dstott at pps.co.za. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon. And that was our conversation on diabetes.